Very good job, ladies. I appreciate the song. I don't know about you all, but I am looking forward to heaven more so than ever. And um, in uh, Sunday school, we're still going through Revelation. We're just finished chapter 21, going into chapter 22. And so that's the eternal state. That's the, that's the good stuff, I'm telling you. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, the streets of gold and the gates made of pearl and the vastness of the city and the mansions that are there and the fact that God dwells with man is so incredible. And that's probably my favorite part is that God dwells with man. But right behind that is that there's no allergies in heaven. I'm very convinced of that. Because it got me um, here. Whatever came up from Texas, it hit me pretty hard and lost my voice. And we had an activity Sunday night and I was screaming at the Heartland students, which I just love to do anyways. And so I was screaming at them at the activity. We we're having a good time. Lost my voice. And then it turned into a cough. So the chances of me like coughing and squeaking through this are high. So I just apologize up front for any kind of um, coughing to the mic. And I want to thank Brother Perkle for stepping in. It's not easy to do when you think you have like three or four more days to preach. And then you're like, nope, you actually you're preaching today. So I appreciate him stepping up and doing that. Um, I, we have a staff development time. We try to do it every month as the schedule allows. And, and it was my turn to give a devotion. We ro- rotate through the staff. And so I, I brought a, a devotion. And um, I'm, I'm very convinced I'm supposed to give uh, this message today, the devotion I gave uh, uh, several weeks ago, uh, primarily because when I was done with it, the pastor said, you should preach that at Southwest. And so... <laughs> I mean, I, it was awesome because, I mean, I usually am laboring in prayers. God, what do you want me to preach? This was so simple. It was like, pastor said, preach it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. I cut out a whole section of the study and process. Let's, let's do it. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to preach it just because it's something the Lord's done in my heart. And I'm, I'm viewing the text just a little bit differently than what I have before. But if you stand and turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, uh, I mean, this is a familiar book for us. We understand what's taking place in the book of Jonah. And I, I think there's a, a time, and obviously more often we could deal with maybe the nuts and bolts and get uh, a real close look at the text and, and look at uh, definitions and just try to understand the text in depth. And that's certainly um, something we should do. But for the purposes here this evening, I, I really feel like uh, what we need to do is just, just stand above the text and look at it from a, a little bit different of an angle. And instead of looking at it through maybe Jonah and Nineveh, as Jonah would come into Nineveh and preach, many would know that that's what chapter 3 is. He would come into Nineveh and preach in chapter 3. So instead of viewing it through the lens of, of Jonah and Nineveh, what I'd like to do is just to stand above it a little bit, a little bit further and look at it through the lens of the original audience, which was the Jewish people. And so I want to look at it by way of, of the Jewish people and God. And what God is trying to communi- communicate, I believe, I think there's several things he's attempting to communicate through the book of Jonah to the Jewish people. But even just in chapter 3, something that I think that God is attempting to communicate to the Jewish people, what, is, what are the Jewish people supposed to understand when they read Jonah 3? 
What's, what are they supposed to do with this? And so I, I want to I talk about that here. But let's read Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Wait, did you catch that? I think I kind of read over that just too fast. Now, my apologies. Read that again. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through, through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. It's incredible. It's amazing. But it just, it wasn't written to, to Nineveh. It was written to the Jews. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for the word. I'm asking once again that you'd bless. Would you help my voice? And um, just thank you for all those who've uh, prayed. It's been a special blessing. And uh, pray that you'd allow me just to be a help to the people that sit before me that I know you so love. Thank you for just preaching and allowing us to be able to speak on your behalf and find out what you say and deliver it to your people is such a blessing and a joy. And so thank you for it. And ask that you'd, your hands of blessing would be upon this hour. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. There's something about um, missionary stories that just grip my heart. Um, Something about hearing how God saves people who know nothing about Jesus or have heard very little about his name. To think that these people have little to no access to the gospel, um, to me, is, is just unfathomable. To think that so many will enter off into eternity and never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I, I just, I love the missionary stories, and we're about to hear, come March, we're about to hear a lot more, but just one that's uh, come into my mind is Brother Stephen Trimble, he had written his prayer letter, and I, I was reading it, I was able to share it with the Heartland students, I think it was last semester, but just about the time where it was a, they were knocking doors, and it was a rainy day, and it had rained earlier that day, and so he came up to a, a road, and uh, there was just a couple houses down this road, and he contemplated it. Uh, just for a moment. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go down there. And he, in his words, he said, I just don't want to get my shoes all muddy. And I know what that's like. But, you know, he thought the better of it and went down the road and knocked on, on the, the two doors that were there. Well, when he knocked on one door, a man came to the door and he, 
Uh, Brother Stephen handed him a, a track and, and the man just took it and kind of bewildered, went back inside, never said a word to him. Well, I think it was the next day he got a call uh, from a lady in his church and she said there was a tall American who came to my brother's door. And, uh, and, and he, he said that somebody gave him a track and he wants to know more about it. And so Brother Stephen, he went back and um, knocked on the man's door and sat in the man's house. And the man, if I'm remembering right, was, was in his 80s and he was completely deaf in one ear and almost deaf in the other. And there's Brother Stephen, he says, he says, leaning into his ear, shouting the gospel so this man can hear. I mean, in the, man, in the man's in his 80s. In the, in the last years of, of his life, his hearing is waning. His life is about over in so many ways. And here's Brother Stephen just shouting the gospel into this man's ear. And this man gets saved. That's amazing. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I love it. I mean, our hearts rejoice when we see bus kids getting saved. Oh, my soul. I love it. I think, of, I think of Brother Matt Sperling. Uh, it was a, um, you know, I went to high school here in Oklahoma City. And somebody from Southwest was a friend of him and brought him to Southwest and led him to the Lord. And he got saved. And he came to Heartland and he, and he went to Heartland and, and trained for ministry. And then eventually would go to, and is pastoring a church in Iowa and just last year in the summer, came back and preached a creation conference here at Southwest Baptist Church. Talk about going full circle. That's amazing. Think of Pastor Ben Moore. Rode the buses in on South, at Southwest and would get saved. He would go to Heartland. And he's pastored a church in Nebraska. And, and now he's pastoring in Arizona. I mean, it's, it's incredible. When, 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 when people who are uh, so far from God, I mean, I, that's happening in, 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 at Southwest Baptist Church and more than just people that go into ministry. I mean, there's people at, South, at, that, at Southwest right now that maybe they went to Heartland, but maybe they didn't, but you were one to the Lord on the bus ministry. There's somebody loved you enough to, to pull you into church and to see you saved. I mean, that's happening right now at Southwest Baptist Church. And I think what grips our hearts about these stories is that these people, they weren't born into a Christian home like maybe many of you and I. They weren't born with the privileges. Privilege. That you and I, many of you and I, are able to enjoy. I mean, it pains my heart to see so many people in this world that are, are just so far from God. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's even their fault, you know? I'm not, I'm not angry and saying, no, you're just far from God, you heathen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, it may not even be their fault. I mean, they're born into a house that is without God. And they're, they're far from God. They're at a, at a great, great spiritual disadvantage. I mean, to think that, that uh, maybe many are born into a home where the father is not present. It, it burdens my heart. And, and to think that maybe they're born into a home where the father is present, but he's abusive. I mean, there are children worldwide who have, who have parents who are not concerned with their soul. I'm, I'm not saying that their parents don't love them. 
I'm not saying that don't even provide for them a good, a good upbringing and, and make, a, make a things easy for them financially. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that they are not primarily concerned with the most important thing in their child's life, and that is their soul. It's all over. I think about the 1040 window. Almost two-thirds of the world's population lives in that, that region of our country. It's the most popula- population, populated area but it's the most unevangelized. I mean, unevangelized meaning that they just don't have the gospel. Many would not. <coughs> it means that they are, as, as I remember Brother Landy saying all the time, is that they, are, they will be born and they will live their entire life and they will die and they will never hear the gospel. I just, I, I cannot fathom that. They're, they are born into a region of the world where they are so far from God and at a great spiritual disadvantage. And there's nothing like seeing these people who with these great disadvantages by one way or another, by the grace of God, whether it's a missionary or some other avenue, that they hear the gospel and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, it is so exciting to see bus kids come in every Sunday and to, to, to hear Brother Carl as he, as he sends a text message out on our strand, our communication strand that we have for our staff. And, and he talks about, oh, these people were saved, this many kids were saved, and this many kids were saved. And then he always says something to the effect of, Three more names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And man, we rejoice. I mean, I'm telling you as a staff, we are excited. It's so exciting to see young kids who are, who are uh, born into maybe a spiritually disadvantaged home who don't have God so near come to Him in faith. That's so exciting. And, and, and we're going to hear stories about it at, at, in a, a missions conference where those who are lost who are on a mission field and then a missionary that, that maybe we get to, the privilege to invest in and they go over there and they get to give this person the gospel and they get saved. That is so good. It's such a blessing. To see one who has been so far from God at a severe disadvantage drawn near in faith. It's amazing. Not just say we've been so privileged as a church, as a people. Now, the book of Jonah was written to a spiritually privileged people, the Jews, people who are so near to God. And I, I, don't, I, I have the sense that, that Jonah's writing to the children of Israel and, and Jonah is just a bit of a microcosm of the whole nation of Israel. You know, because God tells, what does he tell Jonah? I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, he runs the opposite direction. Well, what's God telling uh, Israel? Well, you follow me, obey my law. Well, what are they doing? Everything but that. And so I think what Jonah is attempting to do is get them to understand, like, look at my life and look where it led me. Don't do this. Do it the right way. Follow God. And so here's Jonah. He wanted them to see his life and, and to, to help them to see they need to go the right direction. And God is telling him, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. And there he goes, the opposite direction. Well, that wasn't the first time that God had talked, uh, spoken to Jonah about uh, preaching. Because you go to 2 Kings chapter 14, God says that he gave him another message at one point, And he said that I want you to go. This was in the time of, of wicked King Jeroboam II. He said, I want you to go and I want you to preach a message unto the people that God is going to expand the borders of Israel. Are you saying God's going to bless Israel? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what God said. During the, during the reign of a wicked king. And Jonah was like, okay. 
This is great. I'm going to go. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to expand the borders of Israel or Israel's going to be blessed. Yes, absolutely. God, I will preach that message and I will go. But then you come here to, the, to Jonah chapter one and God says, now I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach them, preach unto them. And Jonah says, no. Well, wait a minute. Why is he obeying over here and then he's not obeying over here? Because Jonah had this mindset that God, I will obey you. I will follow you as long as you do exactly what I want you to do. And God, when you do what I want you to do, count me in. But when you tell me to do something other than what, I'm, what I want to do, I'm out of here. And so Jonah ran. And the further he ran from God, the further down he went. Because he, he ran from God and he went down into Joppa. And he went down into the boat. And then he went down into the sea. And then he went down into the fish's belly. And it wasn't like all along the way God wasn't there trying to help him. No, you go into the, to the boat and God is there. And, 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 and the people wake him up and say, wake up, man. Call upon your God. And what's Jonah do? Nothing. He does nothing. No, he knew why, he, why the storm was there. And he even, they would cast lots and he would acknowledge, oh, this is a result of me. I'm running from God. I'm running from the God. The, I worship the God of the heavens and the land and the sea. And I'm running from that God. I'm running on the land and the sea from the God that created the land and the sea. Smart. Good luck. And so Jonah's on the run. And all he has to do is call out to God and God's going to deliver him. We know God's a gracious and merciful God and Jonah knew that. But he didn't want, he'd rather die than follow God. And so he says, you just got to cast me over. That's the only thing that's going to happen because sure, sure enough, he was not going to call out upon, upon God to, to forgive him or, or to get his life back and right with God. No, he said, just toss me over. So he does. And God in his grace and mercy sends a whale because without the whale, he'd have been dead. And so there he is in, in the, the belly of the fish and the fish vomits him up on shore and there he is has a second chance to go preach. And so what I want to see in the text is Nineveh, who does not know God, turns to God in faith. And I want us to see, what does this mean to Israel? How are they supposed to respond to something like this? Because the Ninevites, they were far from God. From their existence, their, their very inception, they were far from God. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 11, you'll run into the story of the Tower of Babel. And there is God who tells the, the nations, I want you to spread out and I want you to multiply over the, all over the earth. And so there's Nimrod and others that say, actually, you know what, God, we're not going to do that. We're just all going to come together and we're going to build a tower up into heaven. And so many would believe this would be the first idol worship that takes place in the, in the Bible. And so... Um, they, they come together and instead of spreading out, they build this idol, this tower up to God and God confounds the language and they take this, this uh, false doctrine that they have and they spread it all over the world. Well, that, that nation Babel is, is later renamed Babylon. Nineveh is the capital city of Babylon. Say, well, what's the big deal about that? I am saying that those who were born into the Babylonian uh, nation, the, the city of Nineveh, they were far from God from their birth. They didn't have the advantage of the Jewish people. They didn't get, get to uh, be exposed to the one true God. No, these people, all they knew is violence and hatred. That's all they knew. No, they were, the, the, the Ninevites were incredibly wicked and incredibly vile, violent people. I, 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 would, I would blush if I had to give you specific examples of the sorts of wickedness that they would do unto, the, unto their enemy. I mean, I'm talking, it is, this, it is uh, wickedness personified. It is horrible. 
The, the things that they would do to their captors. This is all they knew. From the moment they were born, they were taught to hate their enemy. From the moment they were born, they were taught to hate God, the, the God of the Jews. They were taught to hate the Israelites. They knew nothing else but being very, very far from the true God. Yet God loved them. And he loved them enough to do a work in Jonah, at least externally. We, we know chapter four is coming. And he did a work in Jonah's life to get him to a place where he would come in, into the, the, the city and, and he would go a day's journey into this three-day uh, uh, city and he would start to cry out, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And he starts to just preach this message that God had given to him. And I can just imagine Israel's response as they read this portion of the book and they're thinking, Jonah, you're going to go and you're going to preach the word of God to these Ninevite God-haters? They hate you. They hate our God. They worship idols. Go ahead. This is crazy. I can just imagine their laughter and maybe scoffing as I start to, start to read the portion where it says, and Jonah entered in the city and cried 40 days. And then verse number five comes in this amazing turn of events where, where, where the Bible says that, that the people of Nineveh believed. They believed God and their belief was evidenced by their actions because the word got all the way to the king and the king uh, he proclaimed a fast and he started making announcements all over the city and, and he recognized and he even acknowledged that we are sinful and we are violent and we are doing things that aren't right and, and, and God is going to judge us. And he said, so proclaim a fast and nobody eats and nobody and put on sackcloth and ashes, everybody. Repent and turn, because who can tell if God will forgive us? And wouldn't you know it, our good and gracious God, when he saw the repentance of a wicked and violent people, that they turned to him in repentance and faith, when they heard God's word, they believed God's word, and they obeyed God's word, God forgave them of their sin. That's just like our God. I mean, I just, I, can, I cannot fathom this. That when, when Nineveh turned from their sin... God turned from their destruction. I mean, the wrath of God was coming and he told them, the wrath of God is coming upon you and I'm going to be on a collision course with the nation of, uh, of Babylon or Nineveh and they turned from God or they turned from their sin and God turned from his destruction. It's incredible. And, and it's amazing to think that a people who had so little access to God, such at, at a great spiritual disadvantage, that when they heard God's word, they believed God's word and they obeyed God's word. That's incredible to me. I mean, it's not like they were accustomed to God all the time. It's not like they had God in, in near them in, in that sense, like other nations did. But it's not like they were so close to God that they were familiar with him. No, they just knew something is wrong and this is truth and this is what God said. And so I believe it and I'm going to obey it. Man. So far from God. But they believed. Then there's Israel. A nation who had every spiritual advantage. Separated out by God to be his people. Well, it was probably because they were such a good people. No. They were good because they have a good God. 
It wasn't because they were above the rest. It was just because God looked down on them and he chose them to be his people. And it was of no work of their own. They were given godly men to lead them, such as Moses, who, who uh, they, they saw uh, lead them across the wilderness and do incredible miracles, leading them out of, out of, out of the wilderness. Hold on. God gave them the law. He gave them the law. The word of God. He gave them the promised land, something they didn't even work for. He gave it to them. He, they, they were given tabernacles. They were given the tabernacle. They were given the, <coughs> excuse me, they were given the temple, the place where God meets with man. They were given that. They were given sacrifices. They were given priests. They were given Levites. Wait a minute. They were given prophets. They were given Nathan and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and Daniel and, and Amos and, and Elijah and Elisha and Haggai and on and on and on we go. God gave them people, men of God, who would go and hear from God and they would receive God's word and they would come to God's people and they would tell them what God said. Israel never had to wonder what God was thinking. They knew if they wanted it. Oh my soul, what a good God to give them to give them people who could, who could get God's word and get God's vision and get God's mind and to take that truth and to give it to them. It's amazing that God is so near and he's so nigh and so close to the Jewish people. I mean, they were given King David. They were given the promise of the Messiah that would come through his line. Hold on, I want you to listen to this. In Deuteronomy chapter four, you don't have to turn there. But he says this in verse number five. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. This is, this is when they're going to enter into the promised land. He says, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Hold on. Here it is. Verse number seven. For what nation is there so great who hath God? So nigh unto them. What nation is so great that I have shown myself to you and I have given you my word and I have given you priests and I have given you prophets. I have given you the temple. I have given you the law. I have given you everything. The reason they are great is because God is so nigh. And though God proved to be so near and they were given every spiritual advantage. They still wanted to be like the world. They were given prophets. Men who could hear from God. And yet they rejected and scoffed and stoned and killed his men. God offered them a relationship with him. I mean, he said, I, I want to have a relationship with you. But they rather have the idols of the world. I mean, he would go on to give them the Messiah and they would reject that. <coughs> God had been so good to Israel. He had been so nigh unto them. But when he gave them his word, they heard God's word 
and yet continued on in unbelief and disobedience. And so here's what I, here's what I think. I think that as the nation of Israel, who is so close to God, who has been given every spiritual advantage and, and, and who has a, a close relationship with God in a sense that, that they have, have been privileged to be so near and so nigh to God. As they look at these people who were born into, a, into families who were far from God and hated God and wanted nothing to do with God and wanted nothing to do with the Jewish people. When they saw this people who were so far from God, hear God's word, believe God's word and obey God's word that ought to brought them to the place to think, why aren't we? Because if there are people who, who are such spiritual disadvantage that when they hear the, the God's word and they believe God's word and they obey God's word, how much more should we, when we have God's word so readily available, that, that, that God presents us with the word of God and we hear God's word, we ought to believe God's word and we ought to obey God's word. I mean, I, I think that that's what they should have responded with. And maybe in part what Jonah was attempting to communicate to him. Now, if we're honest, when it comes to our access to God, we most would have to acknowledge in here, most, we are a privileged people. And many of you were born into a Christian home and you were just handed access to God, privileged. And I understand that that's not everybody in here, but you're here, right? Okay, and you're like, well, I don't have a godly parent. I don't have, God. well, somebody brought you here and somebody loves you. And you have access to God. And if you keep coming, you'll get it. Oh. We're born into the greatest nation that ever existed. It's the United States of America. To have the freedoms that we have. We could have been born anywhere else. Hey, you or I could have been born into a, a, a home like Hamas. And that's just a reality. Oh, but wait, we're privileged. Oh, man. We're, hey. We are privileged to be members of Southwest Baptist Church. And that is not, that is not arrogance. Got, the Lord knows my heart. I, 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 that is not arrogance. One, I, I mean, I, I cannot believe sometimes that the, the things that I, we get to experience, we get to see the moving of God in some incredible ways. People are being saved every single week. And we're not just notching things on our belt trying to get people to pray a prayer. No, that's not what we're doing. We're just preaching the gospel. We're doing what we're supposed to do. And God's giving the increase. We get to see God's, God move and God work in incredible ways. I mean, we get to, like, hey, who, oh, oh my soul, the music. The music that we get to, to listen to and get to enjoy and to have our hearts filled with, with men like Brother Mast and Brother Kevin who put such hard labor and effort into the music program. And not just them, but a host of other people. I'm talking, there's a host of other people that goes into this kind of music. And we get, we are privileged to be able to enjoy it. It's a privilege. And not to mention, Pastor Gaddis. 
I'm glad he's not here because he probably wouldn't like me talking about it, but it's okay. He's in, he's across the country now. So I mean, across the world, I guess. He's a true gift to Southwest Baptist Church. I mean, to go into the study and, and to find what he finds on a, on a, on a daily, like a weekly consistent basis to, to receive from God and to present us the truth of the word of God is absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, he is a true gift to Southwest Baptist Church. And I can be honest and say that my life and my family's life, we are way better Christians because of him, because of God's work through him. You know what I'm saying? Now, he, he's a blessing to Southwest Baptist Church. We are, we are privileged to have a pastor who genuinely cares for our souls. He, he is not some hireling. He is a under-shepherd. He is a true, genuine man of God. And we are blessed. And I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You all, I know you all are in a full agreement with me that he is a blessing. And God gave him to us. Would you, would you just do this for me? Hold, hold up your Bible. Go ahead, just hold it up. Look around. Look at this. Thank you. Look what we have in our hands. The words of God. <laughs> well, I'm not really that impressed. Okay, that's fine, but I, this is amazing. I mean, people, people waited for this day. <laughs> men that we love and respect from, from time gone by waited for this day when they could have a completed revelation of the word of God and we get to see and understand things that they never really fully understood but we get to have it in our hand we get the privilege to read the Bible every day we choose we are privileged to have this and to hold this in our hand Southwest Baptist Church oh my soul do you realize what is before you the truth of the word of God Teens, teenagers, you are privileged. And many of you, many, not all, but many of you were born into a Christian home. And from the time you were a baby, you were brought into church or Southwest Baptist Church. And I don't know how to make sense of all this, but you've heard the name of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, collectively, probably more times than entire nations. Did you hear what I said? I said Jesus just now. And you've heard it just once in the last 10 seconds. And you've heard it more than billions of people will ever. Privileged. Now you, you're privileged to have the parents you have that care enough about your soul to bring you into church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, and Sunday school. And I know that sometimes it can seem like an annoyance. And I remember being there. But I pray someday you'll come to the place when you recognize, if you don't already, and I think many do, that you'll recognize that you're privileged. Yeah, you're, you're privileged to be able to be in a youth group uh, like Southwest Baptist Church where there are activities all the time. You are privileged to be in a youth group where there are, are youth camps 
where there are youth conferences, where there are youth, youth rallies, all designed for you to hear from God. You're privileged. You could have been born into any home in, the, in this world, but God, for whatever reason, of no choice of, of, of your own, he chose that you would be born into a family that would bring you here. Privileged. Students of Heartland, you're privileged. I mean, to, to think that for whatever reason, no choice of your own, that God would reach down and tap you on the shoulder and say, I want to use you. Now, I'm not saying it's a more special calling than anybody else's. Because I think whatever God calls us to do is what we ought to do. And it's just as good as anything else. But I, I'm just, let me just talk to them for a second. Hey, you're privileged. <coughs> that God would allow you to do the things that he is going to allow you to do in your future. You're privileged to be able to come to Heartland Baptist Bible College and to train for ministry. Yeah, but you don't understand all the restrictions and all this kind of stuff. No, I've, I've, hey, I was there. I understand it just plenty fine and well. <laughs> no, I get it. Stop focusing on what you can't do and start focusing on what you get to do. I mean, come on. You're privileged. You're privileged to sit under, under the tutelage of people like Brother Rocky the Baptist Harrell. You're privileged. You're privileged to, to learn from people like Brother Raspberry and, and people like Brother Hainline. And ladies, you're privileged to have a plethora of examples of godly women. You're privileged to be at Southwest Baptist Church and to get to see a ministry philosophy that is in line with the word of God. I'm telling you, you are privileged people. But every one of us are prone Every one of us are prone to be privileged to be so near to God, but live in unbelief. God has given us a preacher, but we can ignore what he says. You've been given godly parents with wisdom, <coughs> but you can directly disobey. You've been given the word of God but we can bypass it every morning for more sleep. I mean, you, you, you've heard from, from God's word to say separate from the world. How my soul, he, how, pastor preaches strong about separation. We're privileged to hear that because that's for, that's for our betterment. That's good for us. We're privileged that we don't have a pastor that comes up here and just tippy toes around the truth. Now he's kind and gracious, but he shoots straight. You're, we're privileged to be able to have that, but yet at the same time, we can still listen to the music that the world listens to, and we can engage in the sort of alcohol and drugs that the world does, and we can engage in the sort of activities that they do. We can watch the same videos that they watch. You understand what I'm saying? It's very possible that we all could be so privileged to be near God, yet live in unbelief and disobedience. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I just, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my, my own life, and then you just connect it where you are. Because I'm no different than you. 
It's just I only know my testimony. I mean, I, I, I feel like, man, I'm such a privileged man, that, but I still have the tendency to live in unbelief. <laughs> I think about my, my own parents. In a lot of ways, first-generation Christians, my mom certainly was. My dad was saved around the age of 12. His mom had gotten saved, and so he started coming to church. And, and, and even before that, I, just, I think about this. My, my great-grandfather was born in Syria and moved to, to Beirut, Lebanon, and lived there. And then came over to the United States via Ellis Island, and his name was Ferris Abdella. Ferris Abdella. They got to Ellis Island there and they changed the name to Frank Albert. I could have been Andrew Abdella. I almost kind of wish I was. I think it would be pretty cool. Yeah. My, my grandfather was born here in the, in, in the United States. I'm just a few generations from being born in Lebanon. Um... And my grandfather, I never met. He passed away before I was born. And there's so many good qualities about him that my dad tells me about that I just enjoy. But he was a lost man. He owned a bar in our, in our hometown. He owned, he owned that and, he, and the lifestyle that comes with that. And he made, he made, well, he was just living like a lost person lives. Now I'm thankful he would get saved. Uh, he would, had cancer. He'd be in remission of his cancer and then he'd get saved. And, and someday I'll meet him again. I'm excited about that. I'm very thankful for that. My grandmother was saved, saved at my, when my dad was 12 and, and they got into church and my dad uh, didn't have uh, the, the, the involvement of his dad that maybe he would have wanted to or that I know that he wanted to. Come on, every, every, every boy wants their dad there. And he just didn't have that. He had some bad experiences in, in his upbringing. But I can, I can take it to conversations I've had with my dad. And, and, he, and he said something to the effect of this. I, I'm not going to say it word for word. But he said, I'll spare you all the stories that brought him to this place in his life. But he came to this place where he said, he was just a young, like preteen. Hey, preteen, teen, preteen. And he said this. Because of some circumstances that were going on in his life. He said, he said to God, God, if you ever give me a son... I'm going to keep him in church and I'm going to spend time with him. If that's all my dad ever did, I'd be a blessed man. And he did way more than that. But my, my, but my dad from, a, from, a, from a, a young boy made up his mind. I'm going to keep him in church and I'm going to spend time with him. I, I, what I'm trying to communicate to you is this. I am nothing but a beneficiary, beneficiary of my parents' good choices. I didn't choose my life. I was privileged that it was chosen for me. Oh yeah, I pulled a Jonah, like many of you have. You don't have to, to get a testimony, but I pulled one. And I ran from the Lord. Well, I was, I'm privileged to be saved as a young boy and he brought me back. I'm privileged that, that in my mid-20s, he brought me to Denver and he, and he got me connected with some godly men that just, their, the time with him changed my life. I'm, I'm privileged that he would bring me to Heartland and I didn't even know why. And I'm privileged that, that on December 8th, 2008, that I was reading through the book of John, the first chapter, and God reached down and touched my life and said, Andrew, I've got a purpose for your life and I want you to follow me. I, and he called me to the ministry. Hey, I'm privileged. I'm privileged that he called me to go on staff at Heartland and I got to work there for five and a half years and then pastor talked to me to come on staff at Southwest Baptist Church and I look at this and I think, God, I couldn't have orchestrated this. This is not my doing. 
that I get to be on staff here. And I get to serve at this church. I'm privileged. How is it that we can be so near God yet still live in unbelief? So privileged to be near Him and yet still disobey. So, I think I think about the kids who come in on the buses at Southwest Baptist Church and we get to see them saved. We get to see them baptized. I mean, isn't that exciting? I mean, I know, I, I know our church loves it. I mean, it's like, yes, it's exciting <laughs> when they come in and get saved. I think it's exciting when we hear about somebody from the 1040 window who calls upon Christ as their savior. I mean, it's amazing. So, how should those who are so near to God respond to the belief of those who are so far from God? Hey, how, how is it that you and I should respond, you and I who are so close to God and are so near to God that when we see somebody that is just not given the, the, the privilege, the spiritual advantage that we've been given, that they call upon Jesus because they heard the truth of the word of God. They believed and they obeyed. What should that do to our life? I think it ought to bring God's people to a place where we recognize that certainly if, those are there, if there are those who are, are born into a family where God is nowhere near, yet they hear God's word and they believe God's word and they obey God's word, how much more should the people of Southwest Baptist Church, when they hear God's word, believe and obey God's word? If you're privileged to be near God, purpose to believe God. Well, how are we, how are we gonna do that? Just do this. Take advantage of the privilege given. Young people, if you've got parents that keep you in church and you've got a preacher up in the youth department, which I know you do, and you've got activities that are, 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 are uh, 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 constructed so that you can hear from God, well, take advantage, pay attention, hear God's word, obey God's word. It's that simple. We, hey, we have, take advantage of the access that we have to the Bible. Oh, my soul. The privilege we have to read it every day. <coughs> I mean, that's how Nineveh did it. They just took advantage of the word of God. I heard it. I believed it. I'm going to obey it. And so if you and I, and we are so privileged to be near God, let's just purpose to obey God. It's that simple. Why don't you all stand? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And I want to pray with you, and then the invitation will begin. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. I, I am so grateful for the, the life you've given us. Father, we are a blessed people. 
to be so, so near to you, uh, really of no choosing of our own. It's just been that you've been good and gracious. And I am so thankful for that, that you've allowed us as a church uh, to be privileged in the way that we have to be just under the preaching and under the music and under the godly um, heritage that we have of church members who have been faithful to you of years gone by. We have generations that have gone before us that we can look to and just rejoice in, in their faithfulness and as a pattern as to how to live. God, we, we are a blessed people. There's generations in this church of people who love the Lord and serve God. And we get to observe that. Help us, God, to perpetuate that by just simply hearing what you say and believing it and obeying it. So I'm asking for your way in the service and the invitation here this evening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.